0: Episode 153, The Prophet Elisha and Five Everyday Miracles In the final years of King Jehoshaphat's kingship, King Joram will reign in Samaria and continue under the reign of the next kings of Judah. He will be king for 12 years. During these 12 years, we will see Elisha perform his greatest miracles, King Joram wasn't a terrible king, in fact he was one of the best in recent memory for northern Israel, but he was still an idol worshiper and not a worshiper of God. Elisha is still coming into his own as northern Israel's power prophet of fire and successor to Elijah. In this episode, we cover five of his miracles in quick succession. What I find interesting is how he ministers to everyone in all groups of society. His first miracle here is to a poor woman. So broke she's on the verge of starvation with enormous debt. The next miracle is for a rich woman, followed by ministry to the prophets or ministers in this time period. There is the multiplication of food as well. And later he will minister to Naaman, who would be considered Israel's enemy. Ministry to the poor, the rich... The ministers and the enemy. This guy really does typify Jesus, who ministered to anyone who is hungry for spiritual truth and power and revelation. Alright, here we go. The prophet Elisha and five everyday miracles. The first of the miracles concerns the wife of Obadiah. Remember this guy? He was the guy who hid away a hundred prophets during Israel's famine in the days of Ahab's famine, just prior to the scene at Mount Carmel. The Bible speaks to the miracle, but it is Josephus who adds that it was Obadiah's wife. 2 Kings 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side." She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, "'Bring me another.' But he replied, "'There's not a jar left.' And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, "'Go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left.'" Check out what happens here and the words used. "'What do you have in your house?' God asks this to us before he performs a miracle. What do you have at your fingertips? This is what God wants to use to further his kingdom and achieve miracles. Jesus put mud on the eyes of a blind man. Peter didn't have silver or gold, but he did have faith. What has God given you? Whatever it is, whether it is a jar of oil or simply a jar of flour, he can use this. Now, symbolically, this is such an amazing scene. We the people, believers of God, are referred to as jars of clay. 2 Corinthians 4.17 Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We are to overflow and fill others up. There's an unending supply available to those who reach in faith and believe and give away the gospel. God refreshes those who refresh others. Proverbs 11.25 This is what God does. He fills us up and overflows us to those around us. There's an unending flow from heaven. We are the jars, the oils, the Holy Spirit. The only thing that stops the flow of the Holy Spirit is our willingness to give away and our capacity to contain or our capacity to stop it up. It's on our end, not on God's end, the flow of the Holy Spirit. All right, so now we arrive at the Shunammite woman. She's a cool lady. So here is some background. She's rich. She's very rich. Elisha is now ministering to a very rich woman. The Bible calls her well-to-do. What does that mean? Except she is very rich. She probably owned acres and acres of land and a large home and ma- or many homes. She lives in Shunem, which is a hop from Mount Carmel. Second Kings 4:8. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes by to us. Isn't that cool? He's probably stayed at one of these cottages periodically and paid for it. And she said to her husband, Let's build him a room on the upper floor and let him stay for free. Well, Elisha gratefully accepts this gift and made this part of his journey across the country. Why not be blessed with a stay at the Shunem Hilton? 2 Kings 4.11 One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunemite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Tell her, You have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you?' "'Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army?' "'She replied, "'I have a home among my own people.' "'What can be done for her?' Elisha asked. "'Guys,' he said, "'she has no son, and her husband is old.' "'Then Elisha said, "'Call her.' "'So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. "'About this time next year,' Elisha said, "'you will be holding a son in your arms.' "'No, my lord,' she objected. "'Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant.' But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Alright, so Elisha prophesied she's going to have a son, and a year later she has a son. What a reward for just building a room for the prophet. She received her heart's desire, a son. How amazing. She received a reward for her gift and hospitality to this power prophet. Now this is something to consider. The challenge factor. Fight for your gift. She is going to have a miracle baby, but this miracle will be challenged. Her son was a gift of God, and she never forgot this. So when tragedy struck her house, she did not forget who prophesied over her and her son. Before we get to this moment, we've got to track another character. Elisha has a servant now. His name is Gehazi. We've got to follow this guy and ask the question. Is he the successor to Elisha? Elisha followed Elijah. who was going to follow Elisha? We have to believe this is probably going to be Gehazi, who is the only servant of Elisha who has a name. Will he become the successor to Elisha? We'll see. For this reason, let's keep an eye on Gehazi. 2 Kings 4.18 The child grew, and one day he went to his father, who was with the reapers he said to his father my head my head his father told a servant carry him to his mother and after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother the boy sat up on her lap until noon then he died she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of god and then shut the door and went out she called her husband and said please send me one of the servants and a donkey so i may go to the man of god quickly and return why go him today he asked it's not the new moon or the sabbath That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to her. Ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. She didn't want to tell Gehazi what was going on, only the man of God. 2 Kings 4.27 When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, "'Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why.' "'Did I ask you for a son, my lord?' she said. "'Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes?' Elisha said to Gehazi, "'Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you mean, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face.' But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound of response. So Gehazi went back to Elisha and told him the boy has not awakened. Gehazi didn't achieve much, but Elisha was on his way. Gehazi wasn't operating in the same power. Don't trust your subordinates to do what must be done yourself second kings four thirty two when Elisha reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and as he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said call the Shunammite and he did and when she came he said take your son she came in fell at his feet and bowed to the ground then she took her son and went out a resurrection this is incredible take note of the approach again he was private he closed the door on everybody with the dead child he lay on the boy face to face eyes to eyes hands to hands and he prayed He did this twice. I like Elisha's word. I think he's funny in a way. How can he just say, Call the Shunammite. This is just one of those good liners. Call the Shunammite. And the Bible just keeps going miracle after miracle in this chapter. And there's hardly even a segue between the stories. And so here's another miracle. And it's like Shakespeare wrote some of these lines. Like, they're a part of some play or chapter in a play. The next part of the story, if you would do it in chapters, would be called, There's Death in the Pot. Second Kings 4.38 Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets was meeting with them, he said to his servants, Put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs and found a wild vine and picked as many of its gourds as his garment could hold. And when he returned, he cut them up and put them in the stew, though no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat, they cried out, Man of God, there is death in the pot! And they could not eat it. Elisha said, Get some flour. He put it in the pot and said, Serve it to the people to eat and there was nothing harmful in the pot. Now, flour has no healing properties in this moment. It's just awesome how God uses whatever through Elisha to bring healing. There was some poisonous herbs or gourds that were thrown in the stew, and Elisha, through power prophecy, rebalanced the chemicals in the stew to make it healthy again. But I just love the one-liner, There is death in the pot. And not to have enough miracles in one episode, or just one chapter in the Bible, he multiplies food next. A man came, bringing the man of God twenty loaves of barley bread, baked from the first ripe grains, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people, Elisha said. How can I feed a hundred men, his servant said. But Elisha said, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of God. Multiplication of bread is such a marble, and it echoes of Jesus' multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Elisha didn't pray and do anything spiritual. He just spoke to the effect, and it happened. They declared, in fear or just reality, we don't have enough. His response, give it to the people. There's always enough. God multiplied the bread as it was broken and passed from person to person. Just like there was enough for each jar of oil, there was enough bread for every person. Miracles of provision, life and resurrection, healing and provision. Elisha was a man of God, he performed miracles and displayed the power of God to all who witnessed him in northern Israel. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, we see a pattern of Jesus' ministry in the prophet Elisha. Jesus ministered to all who were hungry and thirsty for righteousness. He ministered to everyone in front of him. By divine appointment, no matter the social class, citizenship, or class structure, he ministered and showed the love and power of God to all. Check out Paul's declaration of ministry in his letter to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible, to the Jews I have become a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I have become one under the law, though I myself are not under the law, so I may win those under the law. To those not having the law, I have become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I have become weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This is how we are to minister, ignoring any biases or prejudices. In fact, repenting of them and ministering to all who God has called us to. There is another aspect that is interesting. We all want to do good works, but our identity should never be in what we are doing, but who we are in God. All works are the overflow of the heart. Don't just go do good deeds to do them. Do what God has called you to do. Don't fail to recognize He orders the steps of those who believe. Nothing is by coincidence in God. What God has placed in your hands, whether it is the jars or loaves of bread, this is your ministry tools. This is what God wants to multiply or be used to bring about miracles. Your ministry assignment is to those God has placed in front of you. If you see a need, fill it. Let God naturally bring about those divine appointments that steer your life and let Him place you in that place where you are an Elisha to someone else. And if you don't feel like God is setting you up, pray that He brings about divine appointments or opens your eyes to the needs in front of you. And see what happens and how the needs in front of you present opportunities to present the gospel and how simple bread and jars can become the start of great miracles. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, message share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at message to kings at gmail.com.